Hello, welcome back to the Quippers International Podcast, short version. If you are following along with us, then you know that we are in the book of Hebrews and studying this wonderful book. We're in chapter 6, and in this episode, we're going to be looking at verses 9 through 12. So let me read these verses. But, beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you and things that accompany salvation, though we are speaking in this way. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. In this episode, I want to simply move through these verses and just make some comments on a practical level. You'll know if you remembered in the previous episode, we dealt with the not so nice topic of falling away from our faith, where the writer gives what I believe to be a pretty stern warning in regards to the possibility of a believer walking away. He calls it falling away and the difficulty of restoring a person in their relationship relationship with God if they make this very serious personal volitional choice of walking away and denying everything that they've experienced in the Lord. And as we talked about in that episode, we're not going to settle the age-old discussion of can a person lose their salvation or not. It's obvious from the writer of Hebrews that there's a possibility that a person can, in a very real sense, loosen their connection to God through a volitional choice of their own will to walk away from him. But I love what happens in verse 9. If I had to title this episode, just thinking about it this morning, I would call it the beloved but. You know, the writers of Scripture at key times implement this critical little word, but. And this is one of those times, because, you know, as we looked at verses 4 through 8 in the previous episode, and we dealt with this issue of the possibility of a believer falling away from their relationship with God, in verse 9, the writer says, but, beloved, and he uses this endearing word, beloved, and he says, we're convinced of better things concerning you. Now, what was the writer doing in verses 4 through 8? Was he threatening them? Was he speaking in a way to just kind of shock them a little bit? Because he turns right back around and he says, but we're convinced of better things concerning you and things that accompany salvation. So I believe that the writer of Hebrews knew full well of these believers' commitment to walk in their relationship with the Lord and to be faithful. But he just wanted to issue a very stern reality warning to them that it is possible. But I love what he says in a very loving, pastoral way. We are convinced of better things concerning you. You know, this word convinced is used several times throughout Scripture, and it has to do with being persuaded and being confident and having full assurance and trusting and being won over. So he's saying, I am really not worried about this possibility happening in your lives, but nonetheless, I just want to tell you that it is a possibility. So he does encourage them to continue to stay faithful. 
Now, in verse 10, the second thing I want to point out in this little passage is he says that God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. And I love what he says here, that God is not unjust, that he does not forget the work that we do in his name. He sees everything that flows from a committed life and the things done in his name and specifically in ministering to the saints. You know, Stephanie and I have been in ministry now full-time for many, many years, almost three decades together in marriage, most of that in full-time ministry. And I believe there is a very real sense of ministering to the needs of others around us in the world and being witnesses to the world around us. But there is something very significant about ministering to the saints about ministering to the body of Christ. And I love what the writer is saying here. He says that he desires that each one of you show the same diligence of ministering to the body. I know this might sound very exclusive or it may sound like, you know, why do we have to minister to one another? But that's where the ministry takes place. If you read the New Testament, the lion's share of ministry in a believer's life is to other believers. It's where they exercise their giftings. It's where they show their care for other members of the body of Christ. Does that mean that we don't show care for unbelievers? Of course not. We do show care for the world. But there's a very real sense in which God has designed his body to care for itself. If I look back over the years and I think about what ministry Stephanie and I have accomplished or done, I would say that most of our ministry that I believe has been most significant has been to the body of Christ as we've opened our home, as we've shared meals, as we've provided opportunity for people to have a safe place, to experience the Lord, to be able to share their lives, to be able to receive ministry. And this is where it happens on a very practical level. So the writer encourages each one, each believer, ministry is not something reserved for an exclusive group of believers. Ministry is something that is done by each member of the body to other members of the body. This word ministry is simply diakonoi. It is the word of serving. And we serve one another through the practical expression of love and care and encouragement and giving and praise praying and counseling and walking with people. And he says that each one of them should show the same diligence. And as you show this diligence to minister to other believers, you will realize a full assurance of hope until the end. Nothing encourages us more than to function in the practical capacity of a member of the body of Christ with other members of the body of Christ, seeing the reality of the ministry of the life of Jesus flowing back and forth between members of the body gives us hope. It gives us full assurance that we are involved in something that is very real, something that is very life-giving, and it brings assurance in our hearts. Because the last thing that we want to happen in our lives is that we become what the writer calls sluggish. He uses this word here in verse 12. He just used it in the previous verses early in chapter 6 when he says that I'm scared that you have become dull of hearing. You know, 
when we're not involved in ministry, when we're not reaching out and connecting our lives to other members of the body of Christ, we become sluggish. We become hard of hearing. We become isolated. But the writer says, don't do this. And if you're having difficulty to know how to do what you need to do in regards to ministering to others, then he says, be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. What is he saying? On a practical level, I believe he's saying, look around you. Look at other believers who have gone before you who might be a little more mature than you in their understanding of how to walk out their giftings, how to minister to other people. You know, this has been very significant over the years for Stephanie and me that we have seen other people. I can remember a couple that we met several years ago and we saw their life. We saw their lifestyle. We saw the way they walked out their calling before the Lord and the powerful ministry they had to the lives of other people. And we thought... Man, we want to be like that. And lo and behold, many very practical expressions of their life and ministry started manifesting in our life and ministry. And we thought, man, we're actually doing what we saw happening in their life. And I've had key people over the years in my life personally that I've looked to and I've said, I want to imitate that. I want to be that for other people. And this is a very, very important principle doesn't mean that we envy other people or that we look up to other people and go, oh, wow, I want to be like them. No, it just means there's something very powerful in the concept of imitating. Paul himself says, imitate me. Do the things that I do. He was confident that he knew the Lord and that he was expressing his ministry and his care for people and his relationship with the Lord in such a way that he could safely tell other people, imitate me, do what I do and live out your life in a way that glorifies God in a similar fashion that I do. And so I just want to leave these very encouraging practical words with you this morning. Know that God sees the work that you do in his name toward his body, toward fellow believers, toward your brothers and sisters, and have diligence in doing these things in practical ways. Just be obedient to relate to others in the body and be available for God to move through you and to use you as a source of encouragement and blessing to his body. And as we do that, we fulfill our rightful place as a member of his body because the members show care for one another. And this produces a great measure of hope and encouragement in our hearts. And so I pray that your heart will be encouraged today. Be strong and courageous and love Jesus more.